0: Hello, 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 activators. An activator, by definition, is a substance used to induce or accelerate a reaction. You, my listeners, are the activators that are needed to shake things up in education in the realm of building and maintaining highly effective and successful teams in our schools. Welcome to the Squad Builder podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerard Phillips Sr., and I have a very special guest with me um, for this episode, he is someone that I connected with years ago on Twitter, back when I was in the classroom and the the the, the current role I was working in, people thought I was crazy. Oh, there's that Twitter guy like talking about me, like who has time to do this and that. But the connections I made on Twitter have basically transformed my career. Like I figured I feel as though I don't have a, a creative bone in my body. So everything that I do in education, I have I've borrowed, and stolen from a lot of leaders throughout the country with Jay being one of them. So without further ado, I'm going to let him jump in and um, tell us a little bit about his background in leadership, education and anything else that he wants to share with us.
1: Well, hey Gerard, thanks so much for inviting me on. I am I'm really excited. I do remember our first connection. I think it was in person in Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken. We met each other yep. at one of the one of the sessions uh, at the National Principals Conference, and that was after we connected on Twitter. So, uh, my name is Jay Posick. I am a retired uh, middle school principal. Um, I have 35 years in education. 33 years uh, of those, 33 of those years were in middle school. So um, that's where my passion lies was with middle school students and middle school staff and and just working with families in our middle school, Um, 15 years as a principal, five years uh, as an assistant principal before that, and uh, 15 years as a classroom teacher from second grade on up through eighth grade. So I got a big background, uh, coached high school sports, uh, basketball, volleyball, track and field. And middle school sports. I threw in wrestling. I never was a wrestler in high school or college, but but uh, wrestling was something that we needed to coach. And I said, I'm, I'm stepping in and uh, just found a, a way to connect with kids, whether it was in, through coaching or in the classroom or uh, out in the hallways when I was a principal or in a cafeteria or uh, out at recess, wherever it happens to be, just making those connections and building those relationships so that kids can be more successful uh, as they move through our schools.
0: You know, Every time, that's why I like organic conversation. Because you brought up something that I didn't even think I was good as way. But I'm glad you got into coaching. And when it comes to you know teachers or anybody working in the schools, when you coach like during the school year, that segment of the school year will be so much smoother for you because even if you have a rough or difficult class, a lot of times some kids that are on the team that you coach will know somebody' that's in your class and will vouch for you and they will that like they will literally indirectly help help settle down your classroom management or other things that creep up and it it kind of makes the marketing period go by faster and smoother and you look up in a rough patches behind you
1: you know uh, you bring up a really good point uh, there's there's coaches are teachers and teachers are coaches right but when you are coaching, a group of of, of students and uh, you have a common goal, you want to win games or, or, or at least perform the best of your ability. It might not be a win, but maybe we'll get a moral victory here or there. But I, what I found is the relationships that I built when I was coaching and I coached when I was, when I was a principal, we didn't have enough, we didn't have enough uh people stepping up to be coaches so uh our athletic director would say hey Jay, you want to coach volleyball you want to coach basketball so i wound up coaching almost all uh, every one of my uh, 15 years when i was a middle school principal and the connections i made with those kids um are, are so strong um and i think it's because they got to see me in a different way i wasn't the disciplinarian in the building i wasn't the guy that was doing the assemblies once a month i wasn't the guy doing the announcements i was an actual person that they could relate to and and uh, i I made sure I practiced before school. We practiced from seven fifteen to eight thirty. Our school they didn't start till eight fifty, so I had eighth grade boys who wouldn't want to get to school at eight fifty in the morning, but they wanted to practice with Coach Post to get seven fifteen in yep. the morning, right? And that's just how how things worked out. And it didn't hurt that on Fridays I brought donuts for after practice. But it was th- those those relationships that you build with those kids, and that word spreads throughout the rest of the school. So I very seldom had issues with with students. Um, especially when I was coaching those years that I was coaching, just because uh, everybody got to see me in a little different light. So I I think that that's it's just powerful to be able to build relationships, whether it's as a teacher, a coach or an administrator in the building.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, it's so many different stories about what coaches like as educators can do for kids that, like you said, translates throughout the building. And does teachers realize a lot of the conversation that we have as coaches with the kids that the teacher may not know about is about their performance in the, in specific teachers' classrooms. So when they see a turnaround with grades or certain things, it's because coaches are behind the scenes and those opening practice meetings or closing practice meetings, focusing on academics. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're in school to learn
1: and they can learn uh, on the basketball court or on the volleyball court. But their ultimate place to learn is in the classroom with our teachers and just trying to make sure that they have that mindset when they leave practice or when they get done with a game that they know that the next day or the next, you know, that morning, uh, they really need to be focused on what's going on in the classroom so that they can be successful there as well.
0: Absolutely. So now, Activators, now that you guys got to hear a little bit about my my friend, my, my mentor from afar, Jay, um, got another question for him. So this podcast, we're all about trying to strengthen the, the teams in our schools, um, try to you know, add some value to what we got going on in our profession when it comes to teacher shortages, sub-shortage, and trying to whatever we can do to get the word out and, and some strategies to uh, let these gaps close a little bit. Question for you. What's been your experience with working with student teachers or pre-service teachers?
1: That's that's a great question. It just so happens um my daughter who is uh who's student teaching right now um she
0: has uh she's actually hold on found Jay, me... yeah Questions, question question yeah. Jay so I, this this why I want to get to my listeners because a lot of times as parents as, as educators we, we we try to steer our kids away from education and once you get once you finish talking about your daughter I want you to Give the, give the activators, the listeners a little bit about what you did differently in sure. regards to that.
1: Yeah. So my daughter's uh, student teaching. Um, actually, she moved back home from school. Um, she was going to University of Wisconsin, Oshkosh. So she moved back home. Uh, and where she's student teaching is about a 15-minute drive from our house. So uh, not only do I have the opportunity to, um, to say goodbye to her as she leaves in the morning to go to school, but when she gets home, we have those opportunities to have conversations about how the school day went. And it's interesting because when she was a student, she was she was a student in the school where I was a principal for four years, five years, I'm, I'm sorry, five years. So fourth grade, wow. through eighth grade. And when I would ask her, you know, how would the school day go? Uh, there was always the same answer you get for a middle school kid. Uh, well, nothing happened. I didn't learn anything right <laughs> now when I have those conversations, she'll be talking about the kids that she's made connections with, how she changed their less less mid stride because things just weren't going the way that they, they needed to be going. Hey, Dad, do you have any suggestions about how I can do this a little bit differently? So I, I, I'm fortunate. My wife uh, raised a great daughter and, and I happened to be along for the ride while she was doing that because, you know, as an educator, you're busy. But I think what happened is, is our daughter noticed how much I enjoyed doing what I what I do. Uh, and that was being with kids uh, every single day and working with teachers to make sure that our kids had the best possible opportunities that they could have. And now that I'm retired, I got asked to be an adjunct professor at a local university, so I'm teaching a group of uh, 23 uh, students right now. They are pre-service teachers. They will be student teaching in the springtime, and so what I've been able to do is uh, don't tell the don't tell the university this. I won't even mention the university, but I changed the curriculum a little bit because I wanted to give them more practical um, advice as to what they needed to do as they moved on uh, as educators, because we were supposed to be talking about policies and procedures and all that. And to be honest with you, those kids don't need to know about policies and procedures. Their school nope. districts will take care of that. And if you need to get an attorney, your school will have an attorney for you. You don't need to worry about that. What you need to worry about is how you're gonna build relationships with kids, how you're going to let them know that you care about them so that they are better. uh, They'll perform better for you. That, I mean, that's just kind of how that, that all works out. So I've been able to have great conversations with these, you know, they're, they're seniors in college and they are all ready to, they're they're nervous. And I'll tell you why they're nervous. They missed out on so many experiences because of COVID. So I'm trying Mm -hmm. to fill in some gaps of, of some of the, 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 uh, you know, they're supposed to have some visitations in classrooms. They didn't have, they missed a whole year of that. And there was all, They were learning virtually they weren't in classrooms so we're trying to I'm trying to fill in some of those missing pieces for them. And I asked one of I asked the class um, last well last week was Thanksgiving week so we didn't have class but the week before that I said, you know, I'm not really following the curriculum the way that it's supposed to be and one of the one of the girls said, Jay just keep doing what you're doing because we're learning about what we need to do when we step into classroom for the first time. So over the weekend, I had one one of the one of the students she sends me her educational philosophy statement that goes into the online portal here in Wisconsin called We Can of, of what her educational philosophy was. and she said, I need you to look at it through an administrator's eyes. My mom thinks it's great. My dad thinks it's great, but they're not school administrators. So just give me some pointers on that. So um, they just—they've got my phone number. They've got my email address, not the not the one through the university. But anytime they need to reach out, they reach out. And it's it's just been for me, it's been a great experience because I've been able to give back um, to uh, to an occupation that uh, I never really felt I wanted to, to work. Every day, I went to school every day, right? So I've been going to school since I was like five, right? And it just has continued. And, uh, and, and I think um, I'm able to give back a little bit of that uh, to this group of, of, of young people. And, uh, and I know that every single one of them is gonna be a really good educator because they're really thoughtful about what they're doing and what they're saying. And the questions they ask are just I mean, it's just it's I'm, I'm learning from them as much as they're learning from me. And it just fires me up to see that we've got some some great kids, uh, some great candidates that are going to be able to step in and uh, and take on the, this next generation uh, of
0: students for us. See, Jay, you, you got me smiling a lot there. One, kudos to you for being relevant and responsive to what those pre-service teachers need. Like we at the K through 12 level, we talk about it, but then we got all these checklists and now granted, I'm all for a, this is a curriculum. We need to stay in this wheelhouse. I'm I'm all for that for some teachers that, you know, it's going to go off the rails. However, for educators like Jay, I'm coming to the classroom and I'm saying, oh, they're still hitting the curriculum. However, they've really wrapped it around to what these kids need. I'm rocking with that because, like you said, they're gonna have enough PLCs and in district in service days for all that policy stuff and whatever the their teachers union um collective bargain is, they're gonna have enough of that. But what they need to know is how it is really gonna be in the classroom. And that's that's a unfortunate all the stuff they miss because those classroom visits that they could have had during COVID would have showed them like, Hey, I really thought I wanted K through two, but throughout all these classroom visits in these schools, I'm really feeling fifth and fourth graders, but if they never had that experience. Then they might get into a school in that K through two and really like, that might be something that drives them out of the profession. So yeah. kudos to you, Jay. Kudos. Well, to I'll, you. I'll tell you, one of the things I told them was, um, you know,
1: your student teaching, um, your that placement, it, it, it's really, really important. And um, you have to go in with an open mindset. You're going to have somebody who's going to be a cooperating teacher that hopefully is a mentor. They're, they're, they're signing up because they want to make sure that, that they continue the profession, right? So just keeping an open mind because Um, You know, we've had conversations uh, with in class, well, say, so tell me what happened in school today. And they'll say, well, I didn't really agree with this. It's okay. Well, let's talk through why you think the teacher did what they did or why the administrator did what they did. Those different sorts of conversations are, uh, are really important because they have to be th- you have to be thoughtful you have to be reflective when we talk about I, I talk about reflecting with them all the time so you know I, i've had students say our class goes from two o'clock till 350. hey Jay, i need to leave at three o'clock because i've got to go back to school for an iep meeting at three fifteen. I said no you leave at 245 so you make sure you're early for that IEP meeting you know take yes. care of take care of learning all of the ins and outs that you can possibly learn from from the professions see how they interact with the families who are there for those IEP meetings for the parent teacher conferences those are those you can't replace those opportunities so you know so you got to leave a little bit early I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm not going to give you an assignment that you haven't heard already is, is going to be due on, you know, I'm not going to drop something at the end of the day and have a little pop quiz. That's not going to happen. It's going to be more conversations and more conversations. So it's what, what's what been cool for me is um, I asked for volunteers to to just go through a mock interview with an administrator. So I've, I get to play the role of the administrator and they're, they're sitting <laughs> there in front of the rest of the class and I'm firing off questions to them. I said, it's going to be 15 minutes, going to be really quick. And then just, I just want you to, respond in the best way that you can. And these these kids are they're ready. they've thought they've, th- they've been thoughtful. and I don't give them the questions in advance. I don't have them sitting in front of them so they can read them. It just comes out of my mouth and they answer the questions. And then the feedback they get from their classmates as to how they responded, um, almost all of the comments have been, holy cow, I got to write down what you said because that is exactly how I feel and how I should respond to a com- you know, to questions like that. So that was not something that was supposed to be part of this class but I made it part of the class because I knew they didn't have an experience with, with any of that sort of thing. My first interview I had when I was, this is 35 years ago. The first interview I had was uh, was at Banting Elementary School in Waukesha. I still remember the interview. I was nervous <laughs> as all get out. I'm wearing a suit and tie. And I was, you know, I was interviewing for a third grade position. I probably wasn't ever going to wear a suit and tie again. I should have been you know, back in the day, back in the 1980s, you wore a suit and tie to interviews, right? And yep. I, just dress dress appropriately, you know what's appropriate, you know what's not, but I, I know that I didn't do well in the interview, but that principal reached out to me and said, you know, I could tell it was your first interview and you were really nervous, let me give you some suggestions. So I have made sure that when I was doing interviews, especially later in my career, if I saw potential in someone and I had let them know that they weren't going to get the position, I would say, Here's here's some things I think you need to work on. You have some you have some serious potential. So here are some some specific things to think about when you're answering these sorts of questions. And here are some really good questions to ask at the end of the interview that shows that you're really interested or want to know a little bit more about the position or about the district. So um, just trying to get I'm trying to give back now. Right. And 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 uh, and, and that's the biggest thing for me. I'm, I'm mentoring a principal down the street. Um, and, uh, he's a first year principal and I'm, I'm enjoying those conversations. We sit for an hour and we don't even know the hour has gone by and we just talk shop. Right. And I say, I need to know what, what you're most proud of and what's the one thing you're struggling with, but let's start with what you're proud of first. And you know what? Educators have a hard time saying what they're proud of. They really do. They Mm -hmm. always look, Mm -hmm. they always look at the negatives. So trying to focus on those positives so that they have a better understanding of, Hey, I'm doing good stuff. And sure, I've got things to work on, but look at these good things that I'm doing, and now maybe I can get some of these other things on the not so good played up to the hey, I'm I'm acceptable, <laughs> you know what I mean? So those are the <laughs> kinds of conversations I'm having with with uh, with with that principal as well, and and uh, he's doing he's doing a great job, he really is, and uh, and he knows about his, his community, and uh, he, it, it's just, it's just been it's been a great
0: experience doing that as well. Man, I'm Jay. I'm glad that even like. Listeners, this is a, a experienced principal that could just be like, oh, I put my 30 plus years in. I'm chilling. But he is making sure that the profession that he gave his life for is gonna be okay. And Jay, I, I this is why like people like you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you on Twitter, Voxer, until you be like, nah, I mean, we I'm 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 done, but I I can't see you doing it because this is your passion and I'm those of you, those leaders like you that I look up to, I'm gonna keep shouting y'all out and keep leaning from you. Um, I Appreciate
1: that. I appreciate you too, Gerard. I really do. The, the The steps I've seen you, uh, seen you take from when we first met in Philadelphia. Now you're leading, you know, leading the school with with pride and uh, and and doing what's best for kids and talking about all the great things that you're doing. Um, just keep it going. Keep moving forward.
0: Uh, thank you. Yeah, I remember. I remember that because you were doing a breakout. I'm like, hold on. He from Twitter, He that looks like Jay. It was like it was was just so cool. And like for any teachers or leaders that's listening, like if you if you're not connecting, like who knows what's going to happen with Twitter now? Like I'm but I'm just so glad for my connection, like Instagram, TikTok, do something. But like the PD that you're going to get outside of your district, like you just like I know some people like I ain't into that or ain't in this and that. By you not being into it, like, the teachers you serve and the kids you serve are losing out. So, like, not like, – I'm going to bring you back on, and we're going to really – I'm going to bring you back on, and we're going to delve into that one. That but sounds that, good. That sounds good. Last question for you. How have you built your team over your 15-plus year career as a principal? How have you tackled filling vacancies during that time? sure um well
1: i think one of the things um that i was fortunate with so i was there for 15 years and there weren't an awful lot of vacancies that i had to fill um part of it was um the relationships i built with with the staff and when when teachers got uh, to retirement age sometimes they'd hang around for one more year and they weren't hanging around because they weren't good teachers they were hanging around because they really, they, they were really good teachers and they liked doing what they were doing and they were in a culture and a climate that allowed them to take chances and, uh, and, and do the things that they needed to do. You know, we talk about our curriculum being, um, uh, like within the fences, freedom within fences we, we've said in our district. So the, the curriculum kind of builds the fences, but inside those fences, you've got freedom to do what you need to do. So, um, you know, I just remember, um, I've hired an awful lot of teachers in my career, and uh, I was never the only one to hire those teachers. And in fact, I talked to the, to the mm-hmm. students in my in my in my class that I'm that I'm teaching right now. Um, as a principal, I sat in the room, and I had teachers around the table, and they were the ones who asked the questions. I didn't ask the questions. I I started off by saying, "Here's what the job is." I had everybody introduce themselves around the table, and then I said, "Okay." Uh, these fine people here around the table, they're going to be asking you questions. Sometimes we had students on the interview team as well. So it all depended upon what the position happened to be. And, uh, but my job there was to read the room, right? So if if you're the, if you're being interviewed by the teachers sitting around the table, I'm looking at the teachers and how they're responding to your responses. And I'm looking at you as as, as how you are, uh, how you are thinking about the question and then proceeding forward. My favorite question is always, so what questions do you have for us? And I, the only ones I answered were the ones where the teacher said, Jay, that's, that one's for you. It's like when they're talking salary and benefits. Like, mm-hmm. that's mine, right? Culture and climate of the building, support that we happen to have, um, how, how, how colleagues work together, um, meeting sentence schedules, all those different sorts of things. Um, those were things that the teachers answered. And it wasn't unless they said, Jay, that's your question, that I would answer it. Because ultimately the people that we hire are going to be working more with the teachers that are around that table than they're going to be working with you or me. I mean, we're there to facilitate um, collegiality and uh, cooperation and and trying to make sure that every teacher is a little bit better today than they were yesterday. Those kinds of things, that's what what our job is. But ultimately, they're working with that group of of teachers, whether it's a grade level or it's a content area, however that happens to be. And we have to make sure that there's a good fit there. And it's, very seldom have I had to say after the fact, you know, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not happy with our selection. Very seldom. I think it happened only once or twice in my 15 years as a principal. And, uh, once before that, when I was an assistant principal and come to find out I was right, <laughs> but, but I didn't want to say that at that time, you know what I mean? I could, there was just a sense you have, and I'm a relationship guy. So there's a sense you have of what that's mm-hmm. going to look like. Right. So, um, I think building the team that way and then making sure that you provide once the team is built you need to provide an avenue for them to have a voice whether that's uh whether Mm. that's meeting in their classroom instead of in the principal's office because honestly kids don't like coming to the principal's office and teachers don't like coming to the principal's office either right so i would go and meet them in their classrooms we would have staff meetings uh, not in the teacher's lounge we had a we had a, a commons area that we would use for our for our staff meetings and I, I only had staff meetings when I felt we needed to have a staff meeting, right? Even if it said we had to have one every Wednesday, if if I didn't have enough to fill fill the time, and I could have had the meeting with an email, that's what's going to happen instead. So trying to give teachers back some of that time that we take away from them um, to have meetings, just to have meetings. Nobody likes meetings, just to have meetings, right? True. And then the other thing that that uh, I really I really took pride in was our building leadership team, and that was um, a group of people that were um, i wouldn't say voted on by their by their colleagues but it was a group of people that were part of part of a leadership group where we where we really talked through some difficult things uh, whether it was a new schedule or behavior management system or um all different sorts of things but there would we would we, we could have really intense conversations where nobody agreed about anything but when we were finally done with the meeting and it was jay saying okay we haven't come to a consensus on this so let's table it. Or you know what? We got people on both sides. I'm going to be the deciding vote. Here's what we're going to do. But when we left that meeting, everybody was on the same page and they weren't talking about the stuff we talked about in that meeting. It was here's the decision that was made. We're moving forward this way. Let's have some conversation. So they would go back and talk to their colleagues about what we had, you know, what the ultimate decision was, but not how we necessarily reached that decision. If that makes sense to you.
0: No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. As a principal of my second year. A lot of what you said, I'm saying inside, ouch, I need to change my practice and try that. Like, because like you said, I'm a relationship energy guy. So I I really like asking those questions and getting engaged. But now I'm looking and saying, I need to pay attention and read the room more. And the interview panels I choose, like it's usually, you know, people that really like really are bringing their a game. So I just like, I'm committing today to change that practice up because that's what this is all about—like growing to get better. And wow, that like I just and that and that's nothing earth shattering. Just something I just gotta tweak. So thank you. See, this is why this is my mentor. One of my mentors right here. Right, that's what we gotta we gotta glean from the experienced educators. Like uh, us young bucks in the game can't think we know it all.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and the old people don't know it all either. It's sometimes we have the old dog has to learn a new trick once in a while too. Right. So, uh, I'm just trying to do my best that, you know, t- for me, Twitter was, was a, was a big step when I, yes. when I finally decided to do Twitter, um, I didn't see the purpose behind it. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, I made connections with, you know, I made connections with Mark French, who was from Minnesota at the time, Ryan Sheehy, mm. uh, from California and never would have met them. Had I not connected on Twitter, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're writing a book. So, yeah, how, exactly. how those kinds of things happen? You know what I mean? And it was it was all of the things that we were able to uh, to see in each other and learn from each other, and just build off of what each other was doing. And uh, you know, it's it's uh, it, it's been an incredible journey, and uh, it's it's not over yet. You know, I'm I'm still, like my 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 daughter being a student teacher. My hope is that when she's done with her student teaching, she finds a full time job that she that she's happy about not that she's just going to take one to take one she needs to make sure as as, as I tell the kids in my in my college class you are interviewing that school as much as they're interviewing you because you you don't you know you may think you want to go back to your your hometown and 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 be a teacher in your hometown well I did that and I never got a chance to be a, a, an administrator because um, I was they thought I was part of the old boys club and nothing would change well little did they know once I left Waukesha and went to Elmbrook and then to Merton, I changed an awful lot. And, uh, and, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't go back to, to my old district. I can't now anyways, I'm retired, but I wouldn't, wouldn't even think about <laughs> going back because, um, I've, I've been able to do things on my own and I, you know, what fits Merton where, where I, where I just retired from might not have fit Elmbrook, might not, not have fit Waukesha. So, you know, the things that we talk about, like you just said, I got to tweak things a little bit, and you got to. We I called it Mertonizing when I when I change things for us because it was Mertonize. how am I going to make this work for Merton, right? So uh, it's just a matter of realizing you can't be somebody else, but you can take somebody else's ideas and make them work for you, right? That's that's kind of
0: how you have to look true. at it. Oh man, see Jay. Oh my, we we coming up close to thirty minutes, so I don't want to hold you because we you. I'm bringing you back on because we got so much more to delve into. I just. Like like we talked before, I just believe in these short doses of PD because leaders are busy, teachers are busy, but we're going we gonna to bring the fire and we're going to help change this narrative and get us to a point in education where we're not talking about teacher shortages because from the kids that may be in my school and the kids that may be in Merton and the kids that's in your daughter's class can look at us and be like, I I, I want to be an educator. Like mm-hmm. that. that's the goal. Absolutely. Any any parting words for you, Jay, any parting words, last words. I, I, I just gotta tell you, um educator I can't
1: couldn't have picked a better better line of living than being an educator. and I think it was in my blood longer than I realized that it was. Um, I started out in engineering uh, in, at Marquette University and realized quickly that, i was not going to be the person sitting behind the desk and (laughs) it was not it was not going to work for me and uh and i knew they had a great education program and uh transferred and and the rest is the rest is history as they would say right so um i just think being able to connect with kids look out for the future connect with families and communities and try and build something that uh, that we can be proud of is 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 where you have to go so um, and, and education's there. If it wasn't for educators, we wouldn't have any other occupations in the world, right? Educators are the way how to That's do it. That's the Yeah. They got okay, so. to come
0: through us. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. That is my guy, Jay Posick. Trust me, he's going to be a regular on this podcast. We got to even try to get his daughter in here. And Absolutely. Then even maybe, maybe even some of the pre-service teachers, because like we're 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 about a we're about a mission we're gonna change this narrative in education like we three four five years from now we ain't gonna be talking about no teacher shortage and to add on to it we don't want to be talking about teachers need to get paid more either um Mm -hmm. systems across the country and government hey let's do what we are supposed to do for our teachers like i'm all i'm all about teachers getting paid like contrary to popular belief somebody thought i was crazy when i said this i'm gonna find a way to make money I, i don't need a raise this year I want my teachers to get paid. I'm mm-hmm. good. I'm good. I'm a find, like if I need some extra money, I'm a, I'm going to find a way to make it happen. I just need my teachers to get paid. Yes. Like ASAP. Mm-hmm. So, that, I think that's student, my thing. I think student
1: teachers should get paid too. No,
0: oh, absolutely.
1: They're interns, I, absolutely. right? They they're, they they're doing the work that the teachers would be doing in the classroom. Our student teachers should be getting paid as well. That's
0: something we need to go to bat for, Gerard. That's something we need yeah. to go to bat for. You you know what? That's our next topic, and you know what? When we bring, when I come, when we come back together, that's our next topic. And let's compare student teachers needing to get paid to the same way that NCAA make it, letting athletes get paid. Now. Mm-hmm. That, no, let, let's let's dig into that <laughs> because it's a lot of starving student teachers out here. Yeah, we talk about the we talk about the athletes, but yeah, we we come we coming back the, the squad builder podcast. We 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 hitting on a lot of different stuff. That sounds great. Sounds great. I do appreciate the opportunity, Gerard. Thank you so much. It's always always great to talk with you. You too, you too. So to our listeners, until next time, let's activate, motivate, and squad up.
1: This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. And we'll see you at the next episode.